three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Shaw. Glad to be here, sir. It's been a long time. It has indeed. It has indeed. Oh, he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I was I actually got a chance to record with her and I'm going to record again maybe next month. And it was just oh. it was so fun catching up. I don't know. If, I'll I'll see how our schedules work out. Maybe we can make it a a three-way thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. But man, what, what's, uh, how's this year been treating you? She's been good. It started out. Um, I got kind of caught flat footed, didn't expect COVID to hit quantum, you know, like it hit. Mm. And so, um, you know, for the first, you know, semester of school, it's really rough, man. But, but, you know, spring has come and we've kind of come out of it again. And, um, uh, it's just been good to see, you know, spring sports and, and kids, you know, um, getting in feedback on their learning and they're growing and it's just, you know, spring kind of feels like spring, man. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that like, I guess now it's May and it's, it's crazy to think that it's still spring because sometimes it, I was just heard a message from my brother and he's like up in the, the Chicago area and it, for them, it's like winter and then just went straight to summer. It's like, whoa. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but yeah. Um, you're still working as a principal. I'm superintendent of schools. Okay, uh, my fifth year now. Uh, nice. I got the job. I got hired on uh, April 20th of 2017, wow. 420, and, uh, <laughs> and left. And uh, I actually, Asher, I don't, I don't, I don't think you were there, but uh, uh, Eric Thomas and his team had a had a had a. I'm not gonna call it a retreat, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, on 421 of 17. Wow. So I got up about three that morning, left driving to Atlanta. I might have been stay ready. I can't remember what it was. It was, mm-hmm. it was uh, April, April 21st, 2017. So, yeah, man, it's been five, little five years. It's funny because that, I think that's probably right before we met or was it right after we met? Because I'm thinking we got together in our accountability group like fall of 2020 or 2016. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we were talking. And then I think yep. you brought up the idea of like wanting to work with ET. Yeah. And it's like yep. we're we're kind of having that that uh yep. that mastermind among we the three of us and just like the uh how do you say like really questioning like what what it is that you want as as a goal. And it's like I, yep. I don't know if that, that can happen. And like yeah. <laughs> 2017 comes by. A few years go by and I look up and I see you being featured in a video with E, like doing a school's program. I was like, huh. Yeah, man. <laughs> Would you look at that? That's exactly what you said you wanted to do. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy. I, I still in, in my, you believe it or not, man, right in my, I'm sitting at my desk at work. Mm-hmm. So the book that I had, so I can find it. Mm-hmm. The book that I had. Um, can you pan your camera down a little bit or okay yeah. I, I can see yeah. so so this is the book that i had like <laughs> all like all my notes and all the goals that i had with yeah. you and pam i still flip back every now and again what's it um, say what's it say on the cover of the book so the, co- the cover of the book says by december of 30th of 2022 i will have, have, have amassed over 100 million dollars so i'm falling short on that one mm-hmm. um but well the but year's not over <laughs> the year is not over. You're correct. Um, the year is not over. And like, I just like, it's crazy. Some of the plans, um, you know, create family of healers and a school and university. Mm-hmm. I have some of Pam stuff about the retreats. Like it's, it's, I have all these notes in here. And yeah. it's funny that even though I didn't, I didn't accomplish them all. I'm, I'm amazed at the ones I did accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I ever would have done that without, having those conversations with y'all and fleshing that out yeah. and really becoming focused on what is it that you really want to do? Um, even, even if it is, even if it sounds crazy to you, you know, what is it and that you want? Um, financially, I'm probably in a better place than I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, even not a hundred million, all, but it, it's, yeah, not 100 it's million, better. But still like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it is, it's crazy. Actually. 
Yeah. Um, just sometimes when I look back and think, you know, the things that 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 sometimes we take for granted, the relationships that we take for granted, the conversations, um, you know, it's amazing how those seeds grow into fruit. Mm. Uh, and so I, you know, I am very, very thankful um, to you and Pam for helping me clear some vision. If I was able to clear up more work vision than anything with y'all, yeah. career vision. Um, but but there's there's still a lot on that list I need to get done. Like you said, you're not over. Right, right. That's that's awesome. And I um, help uh, help me understand. Kind of introduce yourself to the people. How how is it that you became the superintendent? Like I heard a little bit of your story on the on the line on the prayer line the other day, and I was like, I just happened to chime in, and I was like, I know that voice. Yeah, man. <laughs> how did I become superintendent? Oh, that's a crazy story. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go back, Ashley. As far as you like, talk, well, tell me a little bit about like where where does where is it that you grew up? So I grew up in Florence, Alabama. Okay, we are in the far northwest corner of Alabama. We're as far north and west as you can go. Hmm. We really border Mississippi and Tennessee. So Tennessee is to our north, and Mississippi is to our west. We can drive thirty minutes, thirty to thirty-five minutes, and be in either state. Hmm. I mean, so we are right in the corner. Um, we're two and a half hours from. Nashville, Birmingham, and Memphis. That gives you an idea. Yeah. Um, um, so I grew up here in this town. At the time I grew up, this was a manufacturing town. Ford Motor Company was here. Union Carbide was here. Um, TVA is still here. So we were a manufacturing town. We also have been a town that is um, high on the arts. So we're the home of W.C. Handy. Um, we're the home of y'all heard of Fame Studios and some people have seen the movie about Fame Studios being in most of the shows. Fame Studio actually stands for the Florence, Alabama music. And I can't remember what the E stands for. Um, mm-hmm. Fame actually started in Florence. Most of the shows is literally 15 miles from Florence. So they moved the studio across the bridge. Um, so we're a very artsy town, but also a very um, um, manufacturer heavy history, very union heavy history. So I grew up wanting to be a, a factory worker. Like my like my dad um, and my mom. Um, so I graduated high school here. I went to college here for a little while, and uh, decided I get a job at the local factory, a place called TJ's Manufacturers. I worked at TJ's for eight years while I off and on. Um, I went to school at night. Within those eight years, I went to try to play football at a couple places. Uh, came back home. So so, and I think probably on the line I told the story of. The, the 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 moment that really solidified me going back to college was I would go to I would work at night. So we're working 12 hour shifts at night. Mm-hmm. I would work at night and I go to school in the daytime. And so my 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 bosses were nice enough. As long as I got my I got some people cutting grass out here. Gotcha. I'm to another room. But my my bosses were nice enough after that as I as I got my work done, they didn't say anything to me if I, you know, did my did my school work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, man, for a long time. So I, I played with it for a while. Yeah. Um, and um, one day, man, we we're going we we're going to apply for a job at, at International Paper. And uh, my boss kind of said to me, about 15 of us, my boss walked to me and says, well, what are y'all doing? We told him what we we're doing. And he said, you know, why would International Paper hire you? And I said, well, man, I work hard. He said, man, I pay you $10 hour. You work hard now. Why would they pay you $20, $25 to work hard? What, what, what is it that you have mm-hmm. um, that's marketable? And so that kind of kicked me in from playing with college to really being serious about finishing school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't, I, I felt like I didn't like his message, but he was right. Yeah. You know, not marketable. I don't have, what skills do I have other than, you know, my back and working hard? Eh, it wasn't a good feeling. So I ended up going to college. I ended up teaching um, in my hometown for a little while. I left my hometown in coaching. I left my hometown, um, went to a place called Decatur for a little while, left Decatur for a little while, came to a place called Tuscumbia. Tuscumbia is about 15 miles. We live in what we call the Quad Cities, which is Florence, Muscle Shoals, Sheffield, and Tuscumbia. Hmm. Um, And then in 2007, I came back home to Florence to be an administrator um, at Florence High School which matriculated me up through the ranks um, until I ended up being um, 
uh, assistant superintendent. There's a whole other story about me and the principal job, high school. But anyway, ended up being assistant superintendent at Florence City yeah. Schools. My superintendent retires, and um, my colleagues, um, they may regret it now, but they didn't mean um, My <laughs> colleagues really rallied around me to um, push me to apply to be superintendent. And uh, that is what I did, and I, I got the job. At the time I met you and Pam, I had a couple of offers on the table from other districts. And I was really struggling with, um, did I want to go somewhere else? Or did I want to stay home and do this? And so um, when I met you in Pam, I was really in a quasi world of what what is it that I want to do? And more importantly, why is it that I want to do it? And so, so that's I, how I got it. So it looks like what, what was your, your resolve from that question? Uh, my resolve from that question ended up being really and truly I, I was not as interested in a title uh, as much as I was like really leaving some kind of lasting legacy, you know, service. Mm. And so at the time I, I had an opportunity to take a job at a larger city in Alabama, um, which would have been more challenging mm-hmm. but at the same time. Had I been successful there, um, I, it would have been um, the equivalent of, of winning an NBA championship, you know? And so, but it also would be, bright spotlight and and my thought was my people here who live here have asked me to stay and serve them and when you really start soul searching about what why are you in education are you in education to make a bunch of money are you in education so so you can be an administrator and be in charge like you're really in education to help kids you can help kids anywhere so why do you want to help kids here we got down to this is my hometown you know and i know like i think the bible says you know, uh, a prophet, you know, is basically not respected in his hometown. So I knew I was going to face some of that, but my people said they needed me. And I thought, why leave when your people, when, when your people want you to stay and serve them? Right. So that's, that's what it was. Yes. Maybe I, I missed it, but how did you go from um, like wanting to work at international paper to going into the school district? I know you mentioned going to college, but like, was it something in college that made you choose like going into a school, the school system? (laughs) So that's a funny story. So (laughs) I am not an education major. I'm in college. I'm an economics major Mm. um, and a sociology minor. Um, It's an interesting mix. Yeah, because I love social sciences, you know, but I, I love sociology. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like I get a job in it. <laughs> uh, so there's a what, lady. What I, is sociology? Can you can you explain that? Um, for for me, I'll, I'll simplify it just to say it's the study of people and their behaviors. Okay. Like, you know, as a group, like how do we move as a group? How do we make decisions as a group? You know, um, what is group think, you know, like right. and so um that, that makes more sense now pairing that with economy because economy is the study of like goods how things get traded and people yeah. are the ones that are making the trades yeah and i'm really more interested in people than the than the economics i just gotcha. end up taking so many economics classes i was just kind of like ah, okay yeah. so I have, a, I have a professor named uh, dr mary jane mcdaniel i think she's passed away now she i was in one of her history classes and um, it was like the history of the Mormon movement in America, some some crazy class. Mm-hmm. And so she asked me what I'm going to do. <clears throat> and I told Dr. McDaniel, I'm going to uh, going to get my Ph.D. in economics. Mm-hmm. And she said, Jimmy, don't you work at TJ's? And I said, I do. She said, aren't you married? I said, I am. She said, what's your wife going to eat? Why are you going off to college to get this PhD? I said, well, I'll figure out work. She said, Jimmy, I'm at the University of Alabama, North Alabama at the time, which is in Florence. Jimmy, we don't offer a PhD program, which means you're going to move. There's no TJs in Tuscaloosa or there's no TJs in Auburn. So, again, what are you going to do to support your family while you're getting this PhD? I said, I'll figure it out. She said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you do me a favor? She said, I'm going to give you a slip of paper to sign, um, and I need you to take it to the to the to the head of the education department of the university. And I said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I appreciate your interest in me, but I don't want to do it. She said, Jimmy, it's time for you to graduate and you need me to sign your graduation papers because you have to get them signed a semester early. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm not going to sign those papers until you go see this professor. Fine. So I go see the professor. The professor reads the notes. says, you would like to sign up for one course? I said, no, I would not like to sign up for one course. 
And she said, well, that's what the note says. It's fine. I'll take one education course. I, you know, basically I have like a, a, a little over a year left, a little under a year left. Mm-hmm. Fine. Go take the education. Pay. And I fall in love with helping other people be successful. Mm-hmm. Like that about it. That was, that is what it was for me in education. Yeah. When I took that one class and I figured out, oh, like what really gets me high is helping other people yeah. reach another level. Mm-hmm. And I can get paid to do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so after that, man, I was hardcore education. I had enough economics and sociology classes to pair with history classes to come out as a social science major. Mm. At the same time, this is happening. Um, my, one of my old high school coaches is now the head football coach at my local high school. He needs somebody to come help him volunteer coach. So I'm helping volunteer coach. I'm working at night, going to school in the daytime, helping him volunteer coach in the afternoon. Um, and I'm, I'm loving life, man. Hmm. And, and that's kind of like, you know, I have one detour on that road, which is I get stopped. Um, the, the semester I have to do my student teaching, hmm. um, I have to make a decision because I can't really work, work and do my student teaching. Student teaching is basically your practice teaching. Hmm. And so at the time I was working at TJ, still the factory, we had gone to eight hour shifts. So I worked it out with somebody that they would let me work midnight shift so I could work, you know, midnight shift was 11 to 7. Yeah. I had worked out with two other guys. So um, I would work I, I would work 11 to 7. Um, the other guy would come in, you know, and we'd kind of pick up and we'd work it all out and be fine. And the bosses said, no, you you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, well, why? And I said, well, well first of all, I'm sorry, I was going to back up. I'd, I'd ask to work not 11 to 7, but 10 to 6. 10 mm-hmm. to 6 will allow me to be able to to uh, get to get to school on time to my student teaching. Right. And so the boss said, no, you can't adjust the hours. You know, you can't do it. So you got to make a decision. So you have to quit or you can you know, quit and do your student teaching or don't do your student teaching and work at TJ. So I quit, Yeah, you know, which was a scary moment for me um, because I didn't have an income. Right. <laughs> and so um, at that time, I had to go out. I was selling shoes in the mall and was like doing some part time custodial work at different places. It was crazy. And um my dad at the time worked at General Motors and it was one of, like I told you earlier, I was going to be a factory worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so dad says, hey, man, I got you an interview up at General Motors because my dad would never help me get on General Motors until I got my degree. But I'm about to graduate. So yeah. I go to General Motors and, uh, and General Motors says, we'll hire you. But we need you to work swing shift. And I said, no, nah, I really need to work midnights because yeah. I'm getting my student teaching. And, and General Motors like, man, listen. It's a thousand guys want this job. Either you take this job or mm-hmm. you don't. It's going to be swing shift. And so after that, man, I just um, told my I couldn't take the job and went home and told my wife. I turned down for me what was my dream job yeah. was working factory and um, and just told I was all in on education. And from that moment on, I really was all in on education. Mm. Oh, could you take your your hat off for a minute? Yeah, man. Gotcha. Because it is people no gotta see the uh yeah the people's man. Yeah. yeah, man. No problem. But man, that's that's an that's an <laughs> that's yeah. a story. So I mean, so what what happened from there? Because it's like at this point, your um your whole thing was like one, you wanted to work at at the factory, and yeah. also you wanted to be able to provide for your family. And now yeah. you're not doing either, but you're pursuing the passion of being able to help people to pursue teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens from there is, is I do my student teaching. Um, I get sent to a place in the County here that I really didn't think. Um, um, let me just say this, Asher. Um, there were not many African-Americans at this school. So I was really afraid to go there because I did not think I'd be accepted at the time of my life at the school. I don't mm-hmm. fall. Loved it. Um, so, so the time came um, for me to leave, you know, student teaching and got finished with that mm-hmm. to go to go into my job. Um, there was a lag time in between there um, where where I, I I was getting less hours at the shoe department where I was working, um, and I needed some money, so I picked up some temporary jobs. I ended up being one of the temporary jobs I picked up was I ended up being a um, temporary temporary uh, cleaner slash custodian at the high school I was working at. 
Mm. So I did that for about two weeks. That was interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Because I knew the coaching staff there, but no one else. And so I'm there actually for about two weeks as as a part-time temporary custodian. And it was interesting the way that the people treated you. Mm. Um, and so the funny part of that story was some were good, some were bad. And that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But the funny part about that story was, was on the first day of school, I show up in a certain time. One of the ladies was like, what are you doing here in a certain time? And I said, I'm coming to work. And she just kind of frowned up. Why are you working in a certain time? She shook her head and walked off. Mm-hmm. And um, the principal introduced all the new teachers that morning. And I stood up as a new teacher and you could see some, some mouths drop open and some, and I, and I thought, yeah, cause you treated me some kind of way, you know, right, when you thought right. I was, you know, but, but that was good, man. And it just, it gave me a different perspective about people and how people treat people. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it showed me the kindness of some people. It showed me the not so kindness of some other people. Um, right. But it gave me a perspective of uh, people are more than their position. Mm-hmm. Like, don't ever get caught up in somebody's title. You know, they yeah. people, you, your people, like it doesn't like you don't know, like they're just regular people. It's just what they do for a living. Don't, you know, don't, don't ever get so caught up because you have some title. You think you're somebody different. You're not. Right. You're not. And I never forgot that. And I've never forgotten that since then. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I, I know you mentioned earlier that um, E.T. had had it came to Florence and had a conference there while you were there. But I remember, I think after we, we met together and started speaking. Oh, one minute. But I think before um, E.T. came to Florence in your town and did the the conference or, or whatever it is that they did. I, I think we'd met earlier that month in April or either in April or sometime like 2017, because I remember seeing you and Miss Pam in person. And it yep. was like, oh, wow, it's you. And it, it's it's yep. like it's just wild whenever you you um, you you talk to someone regularly and like, you finally have a chance to like see them in the flesh and like just being able to, to just acknowledge them face to face as well as just over the phone. There, there's, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that particular moment in time, I think, I think I had not been a big dreamer before um, or that's not true. I had never shared any of my dreams to, mm-hmm. with anyone publicly. So to be kind of on a mastermind with you and Pam to really start talking some of this stuff out, to get it on paper, to really start to think about what is it that you want to do in life and start setting these goals. Um, what's a godsend for me, man? Like mm-hmm. for me, probably like for all the things that I got out of breathe you, that's what I got out of it is what it was meeting people yeah. that had bigger visions than I had who had done bigger things who kind of let me know it's okay. You know, it's okay to dream. It's okay to make plans, you know, but you got to put the work in with it. But if you don't lay the plans out, then like it's a waste of time, you know? And so, you know, I went to the conference with an idea, you know, I had this plan. Mm. We were going to bring ET back here and he was going to address collective efficacy. And I kept thinking like, how you going to pay for this? I don't know, but like (laughs) we go, you know, we go, we go, you know, that's the ball. That's that's the plan. So that's what we're going to do. Right. And uh, and it worked out for me, you know. And not, I, I guess, if I'm remembering right, then not only once but twice, then or was that tied in? We with actually, the we, actually, we actually, we actually booked him for a whole year, bro. Oh wow! And, <laughs> yeah, like that. So like we brought him in. Here was the deal. Like when I when I took the job, I felt like um, I felt like we had two issues. We had more than two, issues, but there are two major issues: mm-hmm. was collective efficacy and 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 efficacy or self efficacy Collective efficacy as a educational unit and as a community, but we also didn't have a lot of self-efficacy that we thought that what we did mattered. And I think it trickled down into our kids. So I felt like, you know, when you talk about efficacy, the belief that you can make something happen, Mm, you know, the belief that you have the ability to make it happen. And, 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 and so I felt like as a town, um, um, as a, as a educational community, I wonder that we feel like in our heart of hearts that we have what it took mm-hmm. to really make this be a premier um, learning institution. That was always my goal for a school system is to be a learning university. That right. was my goal. It, it'd be a place that you we we pour into the adults enough 
mm-hmm. that they become super efficient and educated and proficient. Not that they all be the same, but yeah. they all be equipped well to pour into kids, to make kids be successful. And those kids become the fruit that pour into our towns and right. our community. And so that's the, that was always the dream. And so, but if you don't believe you can do that as an individual, I'm going to need you to believe that we can do that as a group. Right. And so in my mind, who better to come into any place to talk about efficacy and and what you can do, mm-hmm. you know, by sheer will, than Eric Thomas. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people had these ideas about why I brought him. That's why I brought him. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like who better to pour into this town, to pour into our school people, into our kids, to make them believe um, that we can get this done. We are great here. There's mm-hmm. greatness within us. You know, I remember reading greatness upon you. I mean, I mean, straight up, that's where we are. And so, and so that was the vision. So he came here um, and, 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 and did some parent meetings with us, whatever our community to community meetings. Um, he met with our administrators. Um, he did some things with our kids. Um, probably one of the most powerful things that he brought. And I, and I, and I, I look back on the laugh. Now, if I had time, I'd run and get you a placard, mm-hmm. but, but we make cars. It was E.T., Jeremy, Willie Moore Jr., David Shans, and um, uh, um, my man, um, oh, Inky Johnson. Mm, oh, they wow. all they all come to t- bro. They come it's to like the five Alabama. horsemen came into town. Man, they come to Florence, <laughs> Alabama to do a community engagement meeting. Yeah, and I and and I'm inviting everybody I know. And what's funny is that some people knew the quality of what was coming. Mm-hmm. And some people were like, ah, you bring these speakers here, blah, blah, blah. But like, yo, it was a powerful night, man. Yeah. But 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 we had them, you know, we had them all come to town. They visit their schools, like, you know, and I really think that's probably really the beginning of school days. Like they they kicked that off and did that, but like that's they really right. poured into our town. And um some people, some people bought into that. Mm-hmm. Some people did not. Like I, I got an email, it wasn't a month ago still angry with me for bringing ET to town. Mm. Like, because um, he talked down to us and he he yelled at us and, you know, he just challenged us to be our best. Yeah. But it did not, it did not resonate. You know, my community is a, is a, is a mixed community and it did not resonate with my entire community. Mm. And so um, I still deal with some of those backlashes, but I, I, I tell people again, I do it all again. Right. Same, um, because I feel like that's what we needed. We needed somebody to come in and speak life. You know, Jeremy came in and and, and talked about just speaking life and being positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went to detention centers. We went to like just speak life. You know, yeah. um, just speak life. It's interesting because whenever you you first said eff- efficacy, I I wasn't sure what it meant, but it almost echoes what Pam said. And the, the way that in how she's consulting, when she she works with children, she would always try to make sure she gives them a takeaway that the parents can apply. And it's that same echo of wanting to make sure that what's being said or what's being given is um, is is being put in an environment that's going to like uh, cultivate that, or it's going to be able to, to be able to thrive in that environment. Because it's like, like to your point, like you're saying, you're going to have that, that pushback from people that are just like, ah, oh, no, no, no I, don't, I don't like what's being said. Like this person's coming at me. Like all of this is like all that. Uh, it, it sounds good, but I don't, like why would this work now? It hasn't worked. Like all the the negative things you could say. So I, I guess I'm I'm curious in having to still deal with with the pushback from the people that aren't buying into that. Hey, we can do this together. Like something isn't going to stop us, or someone isn't going to stop us. Like what's been the experience with those people that have bought into it? Like what what's that become? Um, I, for, from what I'll say about that is, is part of my job as leader is to make sure that I cast a vision of, of where we're going. And, and the vision for our district has been tomorrow today, which means that we as a school district can create the environment to put kids in their futures of tomorrow while we have them right here today. So, for instance, we do a lot of work with workforce development. And so we have a we have a program called Launch. It's an internship program 
And so our kids get a chance to have an interest in an area, whether it's we have people who we have kids who work for NASA and Lockheed Martin. We have kids who have worked for local attorneys. We have kids who have been um, um, uh, assistants for chefs in town. It's just whatever your interest is. We've been able to put them in a position to be able to have those life experiences before they leave high school so that they can find out if this is my tomorrow, they have a, we have a net under them mm-hmm. to protect them today. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the people I've touched, everybody, if you're waiting on everybody to buy into the vision, you're going to be waiting a long time. Right. What you hope is that you have a critical mass. The vision is not about you as a leader. The vision is about the collective and what is that you can do. The vision is about, is there a problem that needs to be addressed and if so, what are we going to do about it? And mm-hmm. so and so to me, it was our most precious commodity um, in education are our students. Our teachers are our most precious um, piece of the educational puzzle. Mm-hmm. Nobody touches students more than teachers. So they're your most important piece. But the most important product that comes out are the students that you put out into this world. Mm-hmm. And so when I cast that vision, what I hope is I, I, get, I can get enough people with a critical, a critical mass of people who catch that vision mm-hmm. and they work that vision out in their own way. So mm-hmm. you may work that out through the workforce development program, or we have a robust like Thursday night. It's probably one of the highest highs I had. Yeah. Um, we set a goal of having um, 10% of our students graduate with an associate's degree or professional um, certificate from our two-year universities. And so mm-hmm. in some states that happens a ton. In yeah. Alabama, we don't have a we don't have an early college program. Mm. And so I flew out to Texas with a bunch of folks and we looked at this and we came back and put it in. So we didn't get 10 percent to graduate, but we got yeah. 10 kids out of 350 to graduate with an associate's degree um, or professional certificate. And so that's because a couple of people caught the vision of what I was talking about. And, and they made Tomorrow Today happen for those kids that way. Right. We have Tomorrow Today happening for dual enrollment kids who get a chance to go to college and get several hours. Um, mm-hmm. We have a FAFA program. Like, I still like to say this, like once you cast a vision, right. you, set, you try to set the culture to cultivate it so people can catch it. And then your job, even though you may not like it, your job is really not instrumental anymore or being the front person. Mm-hmm. Your job is to block and let those people do what they have they've been impassioned to do and so mm-hmm. for me as a leader that's been that's been my job is to do the grunt work a lot of times right. i do the things to clear the path so that the superstars the principals the teachers um, uh, um the support staff can do their thing to to provide our kids with tomorrow today and right. so even though i have naysayers or against the vision it's it's hard to say you really against kids you really against kids though being great yeah. And so it, it comes out that we don't like the way you're doing. That's fine. You don't have to like the way I'm doing. But right. I need you to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it is, and it is to try to provide a great um, launching off point for our kids, which mm-hmm. kind of goes back to learning university. The more the adults learn, right, the better we are able to equip the kids to learn. And it's not just about reading and math. It's about that and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I like. I, I was going to say, um, when you say 10 kids graduating with an associate's degree or certificate, those are high school kids getting college associate's credit. So that that's not that's nothing to sneeze at. No, sir. It's 10 kids. And like I like like I'll be honest with you, like that was that has I've had two. I have several moments. I've been proud to be superintendent this district. I don't want to say it that way. Mm-hmm. There have been two really high highs that I've had. One of them was we opened up a we took a historically black um, elementary school here um, that had had been doing some other things with it. And we opened it up as a early childhood development center. Mm -hmm. And so we were we were serving at one time like 200 kids from ages six weeks old to up to four year olds um, having a pre-K and early childhood development center. Like and we redid the building like it was one of my highest highs to see that done and to serve this community. Um, and we have like 90 some kid waiting list to get in. I mean, that was a super high high for me. But Thursday night for me, when, when, when we watched those 10 kids walk, walk across that stage was probably the other highest high that I've had. Because I have kids now that, that on May the 12th walked through and, and, and received a two year degree and are basically going into college as juniors if they want to or walking into a profession. And they don't graduate high school until May the 27th of this month. And that was all because a group of us had a vision, mm-hmm. you know, 
to make that happen for our kids. You yeah. know, the vision really was, I'm going to be honest with Asher, the vision really was we wanted, we heard about a program in Texas that was graduating high school seniors to be nurses. Mm. So we flew to Texas to check it out. And even though we couldn't get the nursing program off the ground, mm-hmm. we still saw the value in kids being able to walk across the stage with both a college and a high school diploma at the same time. And so we grabbed the chance. So nursing didn't work out. Yeah. Great. But we can get an associate of science to work out. We can get welding degrees to work out. We can get medical terminology degrees to work out. And so that's what we went for. And yeah. even though we lost people along the way, you know, blood and sweat and tears and crying, there was a there was a team of people, not really me, but it was a team of people that I was involved with. Mm-hmm. That we made it happen. So for those 10 kids, it impacted the rest of their lives. But the bigger deal was for me was you're sitting at that graduation and there were hundreds of people who graduated that night. That means there were hundreds of thousands of people in the crowd and they got to hear John Smith graduate associates of science degree, Florence city schools pathway program. That, that, that means those kids persevered to make it. And that if their kid, that kid made it, if you're in the audience and you have a daughter or son, a niece or nephew, their kid come to Florence and they can make it too. It's amazing because I, I I guess just like you described, being able to, to see something, it, it gives you the ability to be, to dream, not, you may not do the same thing, but you're saying, Oh, at least I can do that. And, and just seeing you guys put together the, um, the, the groundwork, being able to, to, to do that. And like you said, being the person that does the blocking, like you'd have somebody on the line, like a lot of times people don't appreciate maybe I know in, in Alabama, people appreciate football because it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a great state for that. But yeah. I think a lot of times it, it might get missed that the, the, what do they call them? The skills players, they don't get to shine without people on the front lines doing that work. And right. I guess where I may have thought before that like a superintendent would be someone that's like the star player, but seeing you describe it as someone that's, that's doing that, that grunt work, it's not about the the position again. It's about what you're able to do with the impact that you have. And just like, aside from this year with having the 10 students graduate, have there been other students from before or like this program just started like, within the last few years? So so we we have had a long history of dual enrollment students mm-hmm. before me. So we had always had kids that graduate with several hours of college, but we had never had a program in our history until 2018 where we were we put kids on a pathway to be two-year graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's no, well, you got, you know, 30-something hours and you're close or you're sick. Like, no, no, no. These kids are walking away with either professional certificate in their hand, mm-hmm. which means they can go to any employer and say, here's a certificate that says I can do X, like graduated college with X, or yeah. here's a, a true associate's degree. We had never had that happen um, in, in our city school. I don't really know in our state if we've had that many, um, yeah. but like most of the ones in our state have been career tech, meaning mm-hmm. they, they, and that's not knocking career tech, yeah. but, 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 to my knowledge, I don't know that anybody or many, I'll say many for sure across the state have yeah. had true educational background, associate degree graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I do get to be a star sometime, Asher, what, what is missed is, is that if I don't do the blocking or in a soccer standpoint, if, I, if, I, if I'm not on the back line playing defense, mm-hmm. if I don't do that, then then the stars can't be the stars either. And so there's a time for me to be the star and there's a time for me to, to, to lay back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as the and as the superintendent, I get to um when it's bad, I get to take all the blame. <laughs> yeah. Um and when it's good, I get to hand it off to other people. And I'm great with that. But I know it's my responsibility. If I don't cast a vision, then then we're going to end up going a lot of different directions and then I'm going to be unified and no unity is not good. Mm-hmm. So I guess with with some of the people that are uh, that have been your superstars to join the vision. Have any of them had past experience in being dual graduates or just, they just see something that they're like, this town could really use this. Well, so, so there are lots of people on, on my staff. Like when I, I went to school here, 
Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a lot of dual, but like one of my stars is my assistant superintendent. Like she used to be the high school principal um, and she did a ton of dual enrollment work through the high school before, mm-hmm. um, before I was superintendent. So it was a natural next progression for her to say, we're going from helping kids get 30 hours of credit to we're yeah. going to get old degree. And mm-hmm. so by going to Texas and seeing how they did it, it was an easy add on for her because she'd already done that, you know, right. Um, 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 the guidance counselors who had done it had already worked with dual enrollment before. So it was an easy, just a next step. But the deal was, I think we find a lot of times that a lot of the easy next steps is nobody's willing to take the next step though. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. Why, why can't we take the next step? Why, why can't our kids get degrees? Well, first of all, we couldn't get two-year degrees because we didn't have a waiver from the two-year college system to be able to do so. And I can't get that. Well, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a president, a, a lady named uh, Dr. Collagross. Dr. Collagross went and got us a waiver from the two-year people so we can get it done. And then it just kind of grows from there. So the different stars in different places, gotcha. you know, and I, I kind of see myself, if you use a basketball term, I see myself as a point guard. Mm-hmm. My job as a point guard is to see the whole floor and figure out who needs the ball and when they need the ball so they can score. And right. let them score, man. Let, let them score. You just keep feeding them where they need the ball. You just mm-hmm. keep directing. That's awesome. So it, it's like um, as a superintendent, you get to walk around the schools and like walk through the hallways, see the students and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you hear different? Have you heard different conversations from like 2018 through now? Absolutely. So before I will say there's pre-COVID, post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Pre-COVID, we would get a chance to go into schools and we would we would sit down and hear feedback from teachers. Um, we would do different things and hear feedback from students. And then COVID hit, man, and it kind of shut a lot of that face-to-face, putting people in a room together, group meetings. Mm-hmm. We stopped doing them. And so um, the feedback I, I started to get then was from, A, being my face in the place and walking by and getting feedback. Because I grew up, grew up in this town, B, sometimes I'm getting feedback in the community. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm getting feedback. Yeah. Um, C, we send out surveys every year. And so I was getting feedback from not only students, but parents and faculty via, via surveys. Four, uh, whether we like it or not, social media is a vehicle for feedback. But I had to figure out on social media who was talking mm-hmm. <laughs> and what their goal was. But sometimes I was getting feedback on social media from somebody in Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Mm, uh, I appreciate that. No, right. no, thank you. I, I get that you are in Oregon. No, no, thank you. You right. know, so, but I, so feedback looks different mm-hmm. pre-COVID to post-COVID. I'll be honest right. with you. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to this year is, is, it's kind of getting back to putting people in a room mm-hmm. and getting feedback. But I'll also tell you that my principals at school level are stars at getting me feedback, like, because they're, they walk amongst the people every day. Mm-hmm. And so they can give me feedback from a particular site. Um, more readily than I can have it. And the other one are my board members. Um, yeah. My school board members um, are out people in the community. They get feedback all the time. Gotcha. So I guess I, I want to ask, what was it like during COVID or just like with some of the feedback that you were getting? Was it a lot of people just kind of speaking out of turn based on what they they thought was going on in, in your town or just like throughout your schools or like, what was it people just being like people? All of the above. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you have to remember, you know, our city and our school system is no different than America. We're, we're a microcosm of America. Mm-hmm. And so we had people happy with things we did, mm-hmm. people not happy with things we did. What I had to do as a leader though, is center myself mm-hmm. to say, take all the facts and information that you have. What is the best decision that you feel like is, is for our students? And then make the decision and live with it. Yeah. And you have to live with people who love you and li- live with people who hate you. You just have to, but, but can you live with yourself and the decisions that you made? And, right. and do you know clearly why you made them? Mm-hmm. And, and as long as you can do that, like I'll tell you, you know, leadership is lonely. We hear that all the time. Leadership is lonely um, because you do have to make decisions not based on popularity, but based on, of all the facts that you have at this time, what's the best decision you can make? Yeah. And sometimes you get facts later on to say, I thought it wasn't the best decision. Or sometimes you get facts later on to validate what you did. But 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 are you clear in purpose? You know, are you clear in vision about what you want? And are you clear in purpose about what, what you want for kids and, 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 and why you're doing it? So if you're doing it at, at a clear and hard purpose place, 
people may hate you for what you did, mm-hmm. but you can go to bed at night and sleep. And that's what it's got to be about. Like, gotcha. you, you, you're not going to make everybody happy. Right. It's just not. It's just not. In today's time, it's not possible yeah. to make everybody happy. Um, but did you do what you thought was best for the most people, you know, for the kids? Yeah, I guess a, a big thing that seems to come up with with leadership is always that accountability piece, because a, a lot of people seem to be, um, I guess, sometimes we um, there's a response out of fear, but then other times there's a response out of like, I think people appreciate it when someone can be wrong, but at the same time, they can admit that they were wrong and not double down on the mistakes that were made and just continue to be like, okay, if something goes bad, I start pointing fingers and just be like, no, no, no. It's like, it's it's like this person, that person and the other. And I guess I tried not to pay attention. I paid attention a little bit to what was going on politically, because I guess as I'm growing up, I, I start to recognize kind of why you want to know what's going on around you. Like you want to know what's going on in your neighborhood because you want to feel safe or you want to be in a place where you can trust your neighbors. But sometimes it feels like, especially within the last few years, it, it's things can get really toxic, especially through media where people kind of um, assume what's going on without having the facts. And I, I say that in a way with, with schools in particular, I, I heard a lot about how people were demonizing the South. And I think you're in Alabama, I'm in Georgia. And like, if I were just to pay attention to the news over and over, people were just like, like this disease is out here. And it, it was terrible for a lot of people. But the thing that was disheartening was how things got very tribal and people just went into like, if you're not doing this, you're a terrible person. You're worse than the scum of the earth. And especially when it comes to to kids and schools, like people wanted so much so to protect kids that um, they didn't recognize the damage that was being done. Like having that face-to-face interaction, not having clear facts on what, what, what was happening or what wasn't happening. And then to have people that are in leadership positions willing to stick out their necks and say, okay, I'm not going to make this political, but I'm doing this for the care of these kids. Like not a a lot of people that um, seem to advocate for things at times, it it just felt, and that's why I, I just had to tune it out because I was like, maybe I don't have a dog in this race, but it's it's something strange to see when someone's so willing to advocate for something kind of going back to when you brought E, uh, David Shands, Jeremy Anderson, Willie Moore Jr., Inky Johnson to town. And like, it's it's just like something different. And people don't want that. What's the answer? Huh? I, I, didn't, I didn't bring him to town. Like, he brought those guys to town. Right. Like that's all E. I was just like, when it showed up, I was like, are you serious? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay. Right. Let me not put that on you. Yeah, but... <laughs> nah, brother. Yeah. I don't have that kind of clout. I'm supposed right. to be honest with you. No, I don't have but, that kind of pool. But it, it it's something weird to see when um it's something weird to see when when it, it's easier to talk about doing things that are virtuous, like okay, like we'd want to have world peace and world hunger. Like you don't want anybody to be poor, but then when it comes to utilizing your personal resources, like your time, your money to go help someone in a land far away, it's like, people are like, ah, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like somebody else can pay for it, but I don't want to pay for it. And it's, I guess that, that just reminds me when you, when you speak about that, being a leader, you have to be comfortable or you, you have to just be okay with making a decision and owning it, whether it turns out good or it turns out bad. And then whatever comes out of that, making an adjustment and moving forward, because it's like, if you sit around and just beat yourself up about what was, what isn't, what could have been, it's, it's, you almost tear yourself up. And I, I say all that to say, it, it seems very fitting and um, it seems very appropriate in a sense that to be in a leadership position or just be in a position where you can properly function, it requires um, spirituality in a sense. It's like you, you can't just operate on your own and just kind of 
do things without having some some sort of like personal accountability to someone that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. Um in leadership, a part of you will die. Um, a part of you, you you will never view the world quite as brightly as you once did. Um, or I can say that for me after going through leadership and COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll also say you're correct. Like, like my prayer life um grew. And you, in my opinion, I can only speak for myself. I cannot lead and love myself. I have to give myself over to God in prayer to seek direction, to seek the Holy Spirit. That's that's the only way I can make it. Yeah. Um, because these decisions are bigger than even you. Um, and everybody's not going to be happy with you. And at the end of the day, have you done, have you done what the information has told you? And have you done what God has put in your heart to do? And that's really all you can do, Asher. Yeah. And, and you, I, I tell people all the time, don't run to leadership. Like, like I'm a believer in, in, you know, Robert Greenleaf is the, is the kind of the author um, of coining the term servant leadership, you know? And so like, he wasn't the first servant leader, but he's kind of the modern day father of servant leadership. He has this quote, and I'm going to butcher it. But basically the quote says something to the effect of, in order to, to truly be a servant leader, you have to choose to serve first and then lead. And so, so you you choose first to see a problem and address a problem or serve an issue or serve a need. And then somewhere along the way, it comes along the idea of whether you come up with the idea or somebody else does, you have served in such a way that you probably need to be the lead servant. Mm-hmm. And then you end up turning leadership. And so all that sounds great until, until like you said, um, the critics come and you have to deal with the critics and not all your critics are wrong. You know, yeah. you just live with it. But like you, you have to, in my opinion, leadership's too hard to lead because of the title. Like if, if you're just doing this for the title, yeah. man, like God bless you. Good luck. Cause it's, it's tough. Um, but I have to look within myself and into a higher power in order to be able to do what I do. And I, and I don't think anything's forever. Like I don't know how, how long God will have me in a leadership position. But as long as he will have me, uh, I, I will lead. But it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, it's not for the people who want to be liked and loved. It is for a purpose. Mm, that's a good point. It, it's funny because I, I was thinking of how I could relate to being in a leadership position. But I, I think for me, I'm in a different space at the moment where it's instead of I think I, I spent more time chasing the title of leadership. Like for a time, I didn't want anything to do with it because I could see what it looked like from my parents' viewpoint or observing my parents just seeing that like you always have to give of yourself. You always have to give more and more of yourself. And it's like just constantly seeing that where it's like there's no it's it's almost like you pour out everything that you have until you have nothing. And and for me, that that just seemed like it was um how would I say it, it? It seemed like it just always left you empty, and just being emptied. I'm I'm realizing that it's it's not pleasing, and I I guess almost in a, in a similar way, it's like instead of me wanting so much to have a title to say, okay, like I'm a leader, like okay, so long as someone looks, I can I can take the criticism, I can do all these things. Like going back to having that that prayer life and relationship with God, I I found that in spending time away and not even wanting to like talk to God, like having quiet time, whether it's like a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, it's like coming back and recognizing that, okay, um, as I take time, like as I, as I seek to grow as a person first, as it, as the individual before I do whatever is needed next, it's that, um, the realization that growth is not comfortable is something that I'm, um, I'm allowing myself to kind of just go through in this moment, because I, like I was telling you earlier before I was watching some of the, the, um, past podcast episodes, some of the ones that are going to come forth. And like, sometimes I look back and it's like, I'm glad I started this journey, but in remembering the purpose for pursuing this journey as to highlight 
people, but also to develop myself. I can see the highs and sometimes it like this moment may feel like a low, but I'm, I'm changing the way in which I talk to myself to say, it's like, you don't, I don't always have to have like a resolution or an answer to say, okay, this is what I, I gained from it. But just being able to appreciate the moment of catching up with you and not holding back um, what's on my heart to share, to really have a genuine conversation and, and just understanding that I can be appreciative, happy, fulfilled, doing something meaningful. Sometimes it, it's it's not going to just feel glamorous and just... <laughs> articulating that now and just taking my time with it and not trying to say, okay, what's the next question I can swing to? It's like, I'm, I'm thankful for, for just this, this time and this moment with you, because it, it's, it's a good reflection because when, when you, you said like leadership can be lonely, it can be hard, but at the same time, it it's necessary to get the job done because we can all be, um, at the same place at the same time. And I guess maybe that's something that the pandemic taught me in a way. It's that the either whether it's well-intentioned or not, and I don't blame people because it's like whenever the the notion was we all just need to be safe, I was okay, yeah, I, I can go along with that because I, <laughs> I don't want to put myself at risk. Like, okay, like, yeah, I, I can chill. Like I, I work a few months, I think I saved up. I'm in a comfortable place. I don't have anything to answer to. Well, like I don't, maybe I don't want to say I don't have, but I, I, I was just in a place where I could be at ease. I didn't, I didn't have to do anything ridiculous. I didn't have to take any unnecessary risk. And then at some point after being comfortable for a bit, something switched within my mind to kind of remind me um, like that the comfort only lasts for a little bit. And then it, it, it kind of becomes uncomfortable just staying in the house and things. And it's like, thankfully, being in a place where we're able to move around and have the freedom and the choice to say, okay, you can walk to the store or you can drive here without like intense scrutiny and things like that, that, that was good. And then being able to just turn off the uh, news and things like that during the election year, I was just like, um, I don't need to participate in this, like being able to make those small decisions for myself and to say, okay, this is how I need to be led in this time. I think that that's something that I'm appreciating now. And that that's something that I'm, I'm recognizing as just and spending time with God, it, it's not, it's not about um, like just receiving this like, Hey God, here I am. Like, okay, you're here. Like I see the doves in the sky. I, I see the clouds part, but it's just like, it, it's good to just have this moment of silence to just recognize that I'm, I'm, I'm where my feet are planted and not a lot more needs to be said about that. I just yeah. enjoy the present. Yeah. I was I was reading I was reading this morning and um, you know thinking about you know I had one of my highest highs on Thursday and then I crashed yesterday I had some stuff happen yesterday just like blew my mind and um, I was preparing for a sermon to preach and uh, it was funny um, in Matthew three you see Jesus hit his high one of his highest highs he's mm-hmm. getting baptized doves land on him Father speaks about him it's great mm-hmm. chapter four verse one. He goes to the wilderness and he's mm. tempted and it's terrible. Gets out of the wilderness. He moves back home. He goes back home and decides to move to Capernaum and see a Galilee. Finds out his cousin's going to prison. And he starts his ministry. And 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 I don't like roller coasters, mm-hmm. but I kind of leadership has been kind of that roller coaster for me. You'll hit some super high highs. Yeah. You'll have some super low tempting moments. But at the end of the day, you know, God's kind of got you. And it's and it's okay. And I, I don't I don't I don't like to say this, but it's it is true. You know, when we talk about Romans eight twenty eight and all things work together, you know, I don't like the lows. I don't like the lows, Asher. Like I'm a I just don't like them. I ain't gonna pretend to like them. I'm not gonna celebrate them, I'm not gonna clap when I get them, but I've also learned that they're part of life. You know, yeah. as you have your dove dove moments, 
You're also going to have your wilderness moments. But somewhere in between, you're going to have get to work on your ministry moments. Hmm. And um, and that's kind of life. And, it's, and so, like you said, it's, it's great to just be. Yeah. Just be space and just be. And it's okay. It's funny because I, I'm reminded of, like, regardless of what's going on, you're always prompted to give thanks. Yeah. Like, as you just said with the Romans 8, it's like that... Um, the word not intuition but that the recognition that it's like regardless of what's going on you've got to be willing to to give thanks and i think there's there's something good to be said about that yeah but before i get you out of here let me ask you this question who do you you say you are servant i'm just looking for the next assignment i'm a servant working on this assignment until i get tapped on the shoulder for the next one and are you still that same person you know, what's funny is that my titles changed and a lot of things have changed. So people, people treat me different because they think I've changed. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've learned a lot. Um, some parts of me have died, gotten dark, but actually I'm still the same guy. Like I'm just, I, I, to, to, to work in a town that I grew up in to see people um, that I grew up with at different stages of my life. Um, you know, the, we label people based on where we meet them. Mm-hmm. And we don't like to take those labels off. And what's mm-hmm. funny is, is living in a place where you could have labeled me as a drunkard or this or that. Like you, you could have labeled me all kinds of things from the time I was born to now and I'm 47. But um, at your core, I think you're still the same person, bro. Mm-hmm. You just have learned a lot of lessons in life and how you choose to apply them begins to, to be, be how you define it. Because yeah. other people are going to define you however they what's convenient for them. Right. But how do you define you is to me is I'm still Jimmy Shaw who grew up on Maple Avenue, who lived at Charity of Homes, who lived different places. I just that Jimmy has learned a lot of lessons. Hmm. I like that. I guess what what's that? <laughs> do you have any funny stories about kind of like growing up in the in the same town and working there now and just being at the position that you're at? Like, do you get any people so, from your past kind of looking at you and be like, I know you. Yeah, yeah. You, it, I could tell you a million of them. I mean, I'm not going into those, but like, I can tell you a million <laughs> stories of, you know, there's one funny incident in particular. I had a, I'm not going to say who, but I had a person um, um, who who had a, a child that had gotten in some trouble hmm. um, in school for something that the person and I had done in our past yeah. and it was like I could tell it other than the phone he was like I know what you gotta do what you gotta do but like hey man like you you I said I, I know I know yeah it's part of it man it's funny yeah. Yeah. And, and it's always fun to see how the people saw you anyway like mm-hmm. when you you know when I am where I am now some people say I always saw it and some mm-hmm. people are like man I never saw this come out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's okay it's, it's funny okay. because for me like I grew up growing up in the town that I grew up and getting to go back recently and, and spending the better part of a year there. It was interesting just seeing um, some people either online and, and offline, more so offline than online, but like just seeing people as an adult and just thinking about them differently. It's like, oh, like, okay, I, I remember you like you're Mr. So-and-so, but like, yeah. For some people, it's like they don't want you to call them like you grow up calling people like ma'am, sir, and things like that. But now it's like I'm able to call you by your first name. And it's sometimes I'm like, wait, what? And yeah. and like they're just like, oh, I'm just me. And I'm like, oh, OK, I guess I'm part of the adult club now. Yeah. Yeah, man. People but, are just people, man. Yeah. And it, it's weird because, like you said, like some people can give you a label where like. I remember meeting with someone from school and like whenever we were going to school, it seemed like some people just had it all together. They were like riding high. They're like making money and everything. And like you see, I see the same person after the fact, not in the best of places, but like I tried to remember them as that person, but seeing it as like having gone through different experiences and not to be in a way of like, okay, I'm judging you. Like, I don't want to. I try not to judge anyone based on what they did in their past or if it was something that they did to me. But that being said, I, I remember like someone that I probably went to school with that bullied me like <laughs> consistently from middle school through high school. 
And it, it's like, because they always seat you by your last name. So like you have the same homeroom, like yeah, 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 if yeah, you yeah. don't see them for all your other classes, you see them for the same thing. And just kind of uh, seeing the path that some people take, like I was thinking, I try to be open, but some things I'm like, and eh, maybe I'm, I'm not to that level where I'm open to this. It's like, I, I wish you the best, but I just don't want like toxicity in, in my space right now. And it's, when I, I start scrolling sometimes and it's like through um, like either through Breathe University, through like other mastermind groups and things like that, I've found that I've accumulated a lot of people and like trying to promote the podcast and share different stories and things like that. Like I'll add all different types of people, but now I'm seeing that um I'm going back and trying to interview different people just to like, just to have a conversation to be like, okay, let me, let me make sure like what's in my circle. And even if it's like, it's like, oh, the numbers are big, but I'm like, wait, who, who is this? Like I'm, I'm going through and like scrubbing and and just being like, okay, let me, I don't remember adding this person. I was like, okay, let me message, see if they respond. If they don't respond, maybe I just, just unfollow and just, just, clean out, clean out the junk, like shut down a lot of the notifications and just kind of just create space to just, just be able to breathe. It's like just doing a lot of decluttering. Yeah. Sound like you're at peace. Yeah. Sound like you're at peace, man. That's a great place to be. Yeah. I hope to be there. (laughs) You are. I think that, that thank you for, for saying that. And I, I think, I think peace only comes through when you appreciate the moment, like the now. And it, I guess where I'm at right now, it's, <laughs> I could say I'm searching for peace. And I, I wanted to say the same thing that you said, but in just even before getting on the call, taking the time to just, I spoke to God to say, Hey God, like I'm, I'm here, speak to me. But then one, I think I stopped, I stopped, um, having an expectation of something like grand to happen. And I think just at, at the moment where, where you may be seeing my piece or where my piece is coming from at right now is just being, being here with you and not, not trying so much to, to make something happen. So yeah, I think authenticity, I guess. Yeah. It's a good place to be. It's a well, good place to be, man. I'm proud of you, bro. Thank you. I'm proud of you, bro, man. That's that's, uh, that's crazy. One hundred and five podcasts, nuts, man. Yeah, it's all praise to God. Amen. 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 Yeah. But um, before I get you out of here, how can people get in contact with you? Just if they want to see what you're doing online, or just meet with you locally, um, school systems, be able to swap ideas. So you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jimmy Shaw. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jimmy Shaw. Um, you can find him probably on Facebook, um, Florence City Schools of Alabama. You can find us on, we have lots of YouTube videos. You can find out what we're doing as a school system there. www.florenceK12.org is our school website. Um, you can find me on the prayer line. I'm not hard to find. Y'all. Just, uh, just look me up online and message me and, you know, I'm all about sharing, exchanging ideas, man. Anything I can do to help you, please do anything you think you can do to help me. Let me know. Appreciate it, Mr. Shaw. Thank yeah, you. Man. Good to see you, sir. <laughs>